from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. My guest for this episode, she was really curious whether I'd seen her newest project. Did you watch the movie? Oh, yeah, I did. You did? Of course I did. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, thank you. She was excited because for a while now, a lot of us haven't seen that much of her at all. My name is Kathy Griffin, and <laughs> I've been involved in a little scandal coming up on two years. So I'm Wait, it's an- been that long? May 30th, 2017. So you count the days. The night that changed my life forever. Um, okay, let's back up. So Talk about how we got there. I have found In 2017, a scandal almost killed Kathy Griffin's anyway, career. And it actually started during some downtime for her. In between, like, gigs, I will just do a million crazy things to try to make you laugh. And on that day, no joke, I had done a photo shoot. We had no paperwork. There was no publicist. Where were the photos like, supposed to go? Anywhere. Kathy says the whole photo shoot took about 20 minutes, and it was pretty nonsensical, except for one photo. I did say I want to do some kind of a picture to shame Trump. Kathy said she was mad at Donald Trump for what he said about Megyn Kelly, the former Fox News host. This is after Kelly grilled him in a presidential debate in 2015. You know, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes. Uh, blood coming out of her, wherever, but uh, she was... Uh, so, Kathy Griffin wanted a photo was, of a bloody uh, Trump. No joke. Like, I sent a friend of mine out to, like, a party store, or, like a Halloween store or something, and I said, just bring back anything like America slash Trumpy. In the picture, Kathy holds up this Trump mask over a styrofoam wig head covered in ketchup. She puts it online, and then the backlash. Kathy Griffin fired by CNN over that photo of her holding a bloody Trump head. You might recall this whole story. After that photo came out, the president tweeted about it. Kathy lost work immediately, even after she apologized. And there was more fallout. Federal officials threatened to charge Kathy Griffin with conspiracy to assassinate the president. I couldn't fly for two months. Okay. I mean... At all. The no-fly list, like a terrorist. People accused her of joining ISIS. She got death threats. Her tour got canceled. Fast forward to now. Kathy Griffin is ready for her comeback. She's out with a comedy feature all about her experience over the last few years. It's called Kathy Griffin, A Hell of a Story. We're going to talk about that movie and more in this chat. And we'll start with Kathy telling us why she still stands by that now infamous photo. Number one, I want to clear up one thing. I did consult my attorneys before I posted that picture. Really? Yes. So your lawyers may have said it was legal. Did they say maybe don't do no. it? Or they were like, they were go like, ahead. First, it's covered. Okay. It's covered. And by the way, that's all I need to hear. Because I know that I enjoy pushing the boundaries of the First Amendment, but I also am not crazy. I don't want to violate it. Yeah. And I certainly don't want to break the law like anybody. So, so then when you they knew said that it was covered, okay. I knew it was I, I knew it was covered. And then in the I didn't whole, know it would blow up yeah. the way it did. But in the whole span of the investigation and all this stuff, did anyone in DOJ, any authorities say that you broke the law? No. They wouldn't say anything directly to me, um, but they were just telling my lawyers doing, during the whole investigation, they really made it sound like this big investigation. And after the interrogation under oath, because mm-hmm. I simply... Re- kept refusing to go downtown in an orange jumpsuit in cuffs because they my lawyer said that's the video that they want. Like they wanted like the Whitey Bulger like aerial shot of like comedian Kathy Griffin. I'm, I'm assuming. In the feature, 
you really walk us through a wonderful TikTok of how that day played out and yeah. when you found out and how you began to like process all of this. Breaking news. And you go through which people you talked to first. It was yes. such an interesting assortment. On yes. the day that it breaks, you talk to Rosie O'Donnell and then you have, is it Chris Jenner over for a dinner party? Like, Oh, yeah. Who all who, who all was in your life that day? It was such a crazy day. I mean, I, I, now upon reflection, I want to think the stars aligned because I do I do talk about getting a cold call from Jim Carrey, who wow. I've only met like twice yeah. and I don't have his number. And I just love that he tracked me down. What did he say? He had he Jamie Foxx also tracked me down. Really? Yes. What did both of them say? I First of all, I can almost cry just even recounting that because uh. I also got, you know, 95% of the calls were the other direction. Uh. People calling me going, what have you done? Blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Um, but Jim Carrey said, Kathy, today you're the most famous comedian in the world. Mm. And I was crying and I go, for all the wrong reasons. Uh. He goes, I get it. I see the death threats. And so did Jamie. He's like... You're under heat, girl. You're under real heat. He's like, this ain't Hollywood heat. This is like yeah. government heat. Did Jamie think that you were going to survive it too? Yes. And then yes. Rosie, she called you too, huh? What'd she say? Rosie and Cat Williams called first. Cat <laughs> Williams, what did he say? Cat said the best thing of all. What did Kat he say? Cat said, take out a piece of paper and pen. Uh. He said, write down the names of the people that call you and support you today. Oof. And by the end of the day, mm. look at that list, mm. and that's your list of real friends. And I was like, Which wow. Three? Huh? Which three besides the comics that you've listed now? You know what? I have to say, it's. It, I'm going to throw Cat in there as four, but okay. yeah, I would say it was like you Kat, know, Jamie, Rosie, and Jim. Jim. Yeah, and you know, let me just say, like, I I love all four of them, but like I said, I'm going to be honest. I don't like hang with no, Jamie and totally, Jim. Totally. I don't like I said. I don't have their numbers. Yeah. I I I think Cat is a genius, yeah. but sometimes I go a year without seeing him in person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the special. You do a really good job of laughing about all of this. Uh, you, you, there's a little bit of tears once, but you're mostly laughing about this. And I, I wonder, and I wondered the whole time getting ready for this, how much time did it take from the day of the incident for you to start crying and start laughing again? Like, how long was that process? Well, first of all, I'm pretty dark. And so there were things I laughed at that day. Like, just, just the over-the-top nature yeah. of the accusations. But... The other line that I remember Jim Carrey t- telling me, which was a, a high compliment, is he said, um, take as much time as you need to mm-hmm. process the story. Put it through your Kathy Griffin comedy prism. Mm-hmm. Find a way to tell it and make it funny and relatable and tell it. You talk in the special about you know having some regrets, but I wondered like if you could go back to that day, would yeah. you do the effigy in the photo again? I would. I, I think I need to stand by the photo because it is people need to know I didn't break the law. And yes. more importantly, if you or your kid put that photo up on their Twitter, they should not have to go through what I did. I think, though, and what I was mulling over in my mind, mm-hmm. like this is definitely allowable legally. Mm-hmm. And it's, you have a right to do this and this is your right to make such a photo should you want. Yeah. But I think like, do you think that making that image and putting it out there was like good overall for the culture. Yes, I think and that, here's why. Because I, because I feel like everything I, I hear is so you. heated it went, up right it's now. It's far. It went far. I get it. Colbert had the same issue. He's like, it went too far. Like, it went too far. You could do it. You can do it. That's right. But doesn't like, mean you should. Does it help? That's right. There's a long history, which 
and I talk about this in the film, which I didn't realize until Hillary Clinton herself put it in her audio book, where she said, oh, it was obvious to me it was the send-up of Perseus and Medusa. So, of course, I'm there's like... A, so there's a long history of this kind of image. Of this kind of image. Look at Der Spiegel. Look at Charlie Hebdo. And honestly, when I did that photo shoot, I truly thought the shooter, the photographer, I really thought he was going to try to send it to, like, paper or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or like I said, Der Spiegel. And do I think it's necessary? Yes. And I'll tell you why. This, you know, I wasn't a W fan, right? And I'm not going to rewrite history and act like he was this saint. But I have been doing stand-up since... H.W., Bill Clinton, Mm -hmm. W., Mm -hmm. I have never seen anything like this, where if you make a joke about the president of the United States who works for us, you may die or go to prison forever or be stigmatized and not. I'm not uh, insurable. I've had so many publications say that I have lupus, that I'm bald. I love that those AMI guys turned because people don't know. They don't just own the Inquirer, which did a million hit pieces say on me. Say what AMI is for folks. AMI is American Media, and they own the Inquirer, mm-hmm. but they have also been able to uh, do an acquisition where they now also own OK Magazine, In Touch, Life and Style. Oh, wow. In my industry, these are called weeklies. Uh, I didn't know that they were in bed with the administration. Huh. I just thought they were guilty pleasure yeah. magazines. And yeah. now the, those magazines, which I'm sure agents read and mm-hmm. network people read, well, there's an article saying Kathy Griffin has lupus. No, I don't. Yeah. But that person might go, oh, I can't yeah. hire her. She's uninsurable. The president yeah. shouldn't be able to do that to any citizen, Could, yeah. public or private. Could you have seen yourself making the same imagery under another president besides Trump? You didn't no. before. No. And that's the reason is <laughs> See, at 58 is... years old, I have never seen anything like this. And I have traveled the country for so many years prior to the tour, the 50 city tour that was canceled because of the photo halfway through. I had done an 80 city tour the year yeah. before. You've I mean, I have all. been to everywhere but in America. This is this gets to the part B of my question mm-hmm. and like what I feel like I've been observing and the in the time since Trump began to run for office. and into his presidency, he has escalated the rhetoric of everyone. Right. So Trump is this combative, bombastic figure. He ascends. And then before we know it, Mm -hmm. we have all ratcheted up our volume as well. Yes. And we can. Yeah. But overall, if all of the culture makers in the world or like in America ratchet up as much as he ratchets up, Does it get us to a good place as a society? You're absolutely right. And I feel just like, you know, when I go in for jobs over and over and again, and whether it's a network or studio, and they say like, oh, you're really funny. It's great to meet you. But we already have a female comedian or we already have a comedy person for our channel, whether it's male or female. I am that person that goes, yeah, we're not all monolithic. So I feel really strongly. First of all, I'm not a comedy snob. I think it's great that Jerry Seinfeld doesn't swear. I think it's awesome <laughs> that Jim Gaffigan is so clean. He can do stand-up yeah. for the Pope. I think Kevin the Hart's Pope. funny. I think Kevin Hart's hilarious. <laughs> and I also think there's a space okay. for the type of comics like myself that are, are the edgy, whistleblower, naughty. I mean, you know, we call it we call it tea. And <laughs> this is really me spilling the tea, but about the government. And yeah. it's also a guy I, I've known for 25 well, years. Well, because you were on The Celebrity Apprentice. I was on The Apprentice. Oh, wait, you went, wait, I, was, you were... I was on part of two challenges. I'm sorry. Okay. But I know him from everything from when you're a female comic, you get to know a lot of these people because yeah. 
you know, everyone always needs a, a, a comedian to host. Mm-hmm. So that's my dirty little secret is the way I actually know so many A-listers isn't because they like me or invite me to their house. It's because you I get the call things. and they always need a comedian to host, whether it's a, you know, I've hosted the Billboard Music Awards, yeah. but I've also hosted, you know, the Race to a Race MS, et yeah. cetera. So you've met Donald a few times. Many times. What, what was he like? Um, he was a joke. And believe it or not, when I knew him, he was the type of guy that I got along with okay because I could make a joke right to his face and he just kind of, you know, because he doesn't really... He doesn't have shame. He's so myopic. Well, also, he there's, really there's no shame. He does, I don't think he would really even hear it. Like, I actually, like, no joke, the last time I saw him, he hired me to roast him on an episode of The Apprentice. So he knows my gig back and forth. He is actually, I actually sat next to him one time for four hours oh. at a roast of Larry King. And he was like in my ear the whole time. And I'm like thinking, oh, this one. Like, so for what did the, he all say the, to you? He, he's super nonsensical. Like, it's worse now than when I knew him. And I obviously haven't seen him now in a few years. But it's, he would just say really weird stuff. Like, he turned to me and he goes, um, so you're a female comedian. And by the way, I had known him for at least 10 years. And I go, yeah, next thing you know, we're going to want to vote. And he just had literally no reaction to that. No reaction. So that, I mean, you know, then my little horns come out. And I'm like, oh, this is the type of guy that I can kind of like mess with him because he's not listening. So then it's it's interesting because like. So he like, seemed like a harmless fool. So that's also what the I was kind saying. of thing where he could have called you after that image came up because he had met you several times and yes. knew you. And... He, it was, he knew, he was, in, in my opinion, he was activating the army. Honestly, mm-hmm. anybody can track this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, all my comments are flooded on my social media platforms with robots. And they're all like, ISIS lady, be bad. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not pretty. I have to warn my friends if they post a picture. Like, if we take a photo and post it, yeah. I'm just, no, that the comments are from I'll be ready for it. robots. I'll be ready for it. They're not going to be pretty. Okay. And then occasionally you're going to get like a love the fierce diva. Yeah. But there will be okay. um, people yeah. accusing you of maybe joining ISIS with me, which my joke is um, when people still think I'm an ISIS, I always go like this. I worked at the gift shop for like a week. Calm down. <laughs> and then I just watch their faces like turn gray because they think it's real. All right. Time for a break. When we come back, Kathy talks about her friendship with the Kardashians. Also, heads up, we use some strong language in this next section. BRB. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment at your convenience. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com minute to learn more. We're back with a new season of Rough Translation. Yeah. And this time, we are following people who break the rules. I mean, lying is part of the business. <laughs> In my opinion, the best revenge against ISIS is to be humane. Am I supposed to punch her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. New episodes every other Wednesday. Subscribe. I want to talk about celebrity culture, which is still a good part of the special and and which is the way that I came to love you. I can recall as a kid watching your specials and I'll never forget whichever one it was where you spent a good amount of time calling Renee Zellweger a puffy coke whore. (laughs) Uh, Renee Zellweger called me that day. 
She actually texted me, and she was like, "Hang in there, girl." And that's so she what, was okay with that. Not only that, it was such an affirming thing because one of the things that I do admire about, like I said, those whose shoulders I stand on is yeah. it would be so gratifying for me when I would hear, I mean, you know, I mean, he's no longer with us, but Rickles or somebody like Don Rickles yeah. saying, you know, after a certain amount of time, these people I made fun of for all these years, they would actually say they like, like oh, I get it. You're just kidding. Yes. So yeah. Zellweger, obviously, you know, when she texted me a supportive text, I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah, like, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I really was just kidding, and I think you're great. Mm-hmm. And guess how I met her? I was hosting a charity gig. <laughs> she did this really cool dramatic reading, and we came by, and oh, then she it. ended up I going, oh, you're just kidding. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't think I've ever seen a comic get into, like, the metaphysics of being celebrity and the way that you have for so long. <laughs> I'm fascinated by it. What is like in, in your, what, 20, 30 years of like mocking celebrity, what yeah. is your big takeaway about the celebrity industrial complex? I think the takeaway that people find the most fascinating mm-hmm. is when they feel like, number one, they're in their living room with one of their best friends. Yeah. Like that's my highest compliment. When yes. People say this just doesn't feel like a regular comedy show with one liners. Mm-hmm. I feel like, oh my gosh, I was led into this person's living yeah. room and they don't know anyone's here. Mm-hmm. And they're just spouting off with impunity. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is, I, I've i learned people really like when someone pulls back the curtain. Yeah. And honestly, that's what made my life on the D-list a success yeah. is that they did all these like focus grouping and all this other stuff. And people said their favorite part was watching her go through something in real life. And yeah. that was a real show. Nothing was scripted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No writers. Yeah. And then at the end of the show, seeing it hit the stage and seeing how yeah. she took that incident and then went, oh, I can make this a funny quote chunk and so i like oh people i am just someone who is truly not afraid to pull back the curtain and what i've learned about celebrity that i find the most uh conducive to comedy is it's a very two-faced industry yeah i mean that's what i find humorous is these celebrities that appear to be one way and we really think and we believe it and if i have an experience with them that shows that they're different then i love to go you know, actually look and see this. That's right. And if it's funny, honestly, believe it or not, I really don't just go out there and go, so-and-so is ugly. Good night. Like, if it isn't funny, <laughs> yeah. and, I don't want to... And usually it's funny because I like that you point out that celebrities in a certain way... There's a lot of hypocrisy. Let's just, yeah, and, let's just use the word. And they'll do anything it takes yeah. to stay a celebrity. There's yeah. this moment in the special where you talk about... Not on purpose. The mm-hmm. the night in which the photo breaks and you're the biggest story in the world is also a night that you have a dinner party scheduled with, with Chris, Chris Jenner. Jenner. Chris Jenner, <laughs> and I'm sobbing and I'm a wreck. And yeah. also Academy Award nominee Melanie Griffith, who's who's different. She's more like Bohemian. Yeah. yeah. And um, but I'm Chris saying, gives you advice. Chris gives me advice, and I'm saying I shouldn't apologize because no, all my comedian friends are mad at me because I apologized. And then she just is like, she's like cutting a steak, and God love her, she's cold as ice. And I do think she's killed people. Now I can't prove it, but would you cross her? Hell no. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so anyway, she's cutting her steak, and she's like, no, it was a good idea. Um. We do it all the time. Apologizing. And then people just start laughing because yeah. they know it's true. She's like, they apologize all the time. Because they know it's real. They and I'm quoting her. Yeah. And they go, you know, one of the kids takes a trademark by mistake and then, you know, they get sued and we just apologize. And I was like, oh, it, it was the, yes, yeah. I was laughing that very night. When you are seeing that 
layer of celebrity peeled back and you see these real celebrities in these real moments. Yeah. Do you respect these celebrities more or less? Because they're shrewd. Both. And you know, it's interesting. The Kardashians are an example. Like mm. the fact that during this whole thing, I lived right next door to of all people, Kim and Which Kanye. Which is cray cray. Cray cray, all caps. And I was <laughs> so happy and grateful. And truly that when I bought the house, I foolishly believed a tabloid that had said, oh, they moved back to Ballas or mm-hmm. Bassus or wherever their mm-hmm. um, country is. Because I believe they've, I, yeah. I think Chris made wherever they live its own country. I can't prove it, <laughs> yeah. but I think she's done yeah. it. Or she yeah. could in one phone call. <laughs> she definitely could. And so, um, so, you know, when I first moved there, I honestly did want to assure Kim, who I do know, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm really not like stalking you. And I know this must look weird because mm-hmm. I've called you guys every names in the book for 10 years. And what was so delightful, they're so loaded. And like when I first met them, I think they did kind of stress me. And it was so lovely to hear Kim be like, oh, my God, you're like the least of our problems. Like, <laughs> we're like mad at Taylor Swift right now. So like we really literally don't care about your jokes. Like, welcome. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I want to tell the audience that, too. Yeah. So after years yeah. of going like, oh, the Kardashians, blah, 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 I want to go, guess guess who turned out to be like there for me? Freaking Kim Kardashian. What did Kim say after all of it? First of all, she said, after all the stuff that we've been through, she's like, I got your back and Mm. nobody's going to come for you. And we made this really sweet deal, which I'm very proud of, which is um, she is obsessed with Elizabeth Taylor. And I was friends with Joan Rivers. (laughs) Right? Oh, yeah, I know. (laughs) And and she didn't know they were best friends. And Um. I said, "Um, did you know that they had a deal? And she's like, literally? I go, no, figuratively. But anyway, (laughs) um, I said the deal. And this Joan told me this and I believe it. Uh Um, I never met Liz Taylor, but I'm just believing Joan Rivers because I do. Anyway, uh, she said that their deal was they really became friends. And first, Liz would be offended by the jokes. And after a while, she just started laughing about them. And the deal was you can make whatever jokes about me if I have the freedom to just like call you when I feel like I need a laugh from the great Joan Rivers. And Joan's like, done. And so I go to Kim, we're going to make a deal. And she's like, what? I go, we're making a deal. And she's like, okay, what? I go, I get to call you guys dirty whores as long as I want, <laughs> on or off TV. And whenever you're feeling like you need a laugh, I will literally, get, as she would say, literally, either come to your house or you call me and I will give you a private Kathy Griffin concert until you're laughing. Has that Whether, happened? Three times. Stop it. No, I won't. I went over there twice. You, I would sit on her couch and, you know, we talked after the robbery and I had, oh, I've been wow. held up at gunpoint twice. So we talked about that. Yeah. And I said, I'm not going to leave till you're laughing. So we talked about it. And then Kanye walks in and then I had to start because, you know, he thinks he's Pablo Picasso <laughs> and he makes them all wear shirts that say Pablo. So j- I'm trying to make him laugh. Yeah. So he comes downstairs and she's like, oh, my God, I didn't even know you're home. And then um, <laughs> she's like, you know, Kathy. And he, he just, you know how he gives that like empty stare. Yeah. And besides I had met him one time, I'm like, I, I get it. I'm just, yeah. you know, he's not a big talker. Yeah. So, of course, I have to push it. And I go like this, Pobs. You can like Short for Pablo. And I put my arms out uh-huh. and it was the hug where like his body like stiffed oh, no. and I'm like rocking him because I'm thinking, oh no, I'm not letting go now. I, I am, got him. I got, I got him, him. And he's so uncomfortable and Kim's laughing oh, and she's like, honey, you know her. And he, and then he, for real, uh-huh. he walks out of the room uh-huh. almost like Riverdance style and he goes like this, this never happened. I wasn't here. This never happened. Okay. Now if you think... I'm not going to honor the deal with Kim, which is I'm allowed to talk about them. Yeah. Like, I cannot keep that story inside you, me. And I'm, I'm so only glad human. you shared it.
In a minute, Kathy tells us about her struggles searching for a distributor. Right now, that film that we talked about earlier, her newest project, it's only been shown at South by Southwest. Coming up, we talk about why it's been so tough for her to find a distributor for her latest project. Is it a Trump thing? Is it people are afraid of getting, quote, the tweet? More after the break. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Walton Family Foundation, where opportunity takes root. More information is available at waltonfamilyfoundation.org. Hey there, I'm Joshua Johnson, the host of 1A. There are lots of places to debate today's issues if you don't mind getting attacked for speaking your mind or asking a simple question. But 1A is different. You'll find the 1A podcast on the NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts. What is next for you? You're going to try to shop this movie still. I was trying to shop the movie, and I'm going to just say, look, I don't know how these things get done. Because like I said, I don't even have an agent. I am still Wait, persona non grata. Wait, you have an agent? You don't have an agent right no! now? No! I have a lawyer. I have a great publicist. Hmm. Everybody in town knows where to find me. They all know how <laughs> to get to Kathy Griffin. Yeah, I talk about myself in the third person I now. Like I'm it. that person. Yeah. But um, yeah. I'm hoping that, that the people will somehow want to see it. And honestly, I will say that the response in South by Southwest was liter- was the polar opposite of really? my sort of current Hollywood so bad girl there. status. I got love, but yeah. also I got real interest. And the questions were different. They weren't just like, what's so-and-so like? They were going, okay, wait, talk to me about this process and what should I be worried about Mm. and how did you get through this part? Or people would say, I had this difficult experience and laughing got me through it. And like, uh, it it was a bigger conversation. Would you self-distribute this film? If I have to, I sure will. When do you know if you have to? I'll know if I have to if I don't get an offer where I feel like well, number one, I have to retain ownership. So that's number one. So I, I got my entire library back from NBC Universal. Mm-hmm. It has no value now, but who knows? Someday. <laughs> um, and and that is another message to people going like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. you know, ownership is where it's what it's really about. Like mm-hmm. I learned that from the music industry. Oh yeah. People, that's how all those singers go broke. Oh, yeah. It's the licensing and the publishing that yeah. is where TLC the TLC was broke. That's right. And yet, probably some executive who said yes to Waterfalls got more money than (laughs) Than, Candy Burris or TLC. And so, you know, I was like, oh, and it took me a while to learn that, Uh you know. And I always talk about, like, the first two years I did New Year's Eve on CNN. It didn't even occur to me to ask to get paid anything. What, you did the first CNN New Year's for free? The first two years. Yeah, that's right. And then when I asked for a raise my eighth year, when Mm -hmm. the show went from 90 Minutes to four and a half hours, mm-hmm. Jeff Zucker was so offended that I even asked for a raise, he docked me 30%. And I still did. While paying Anderson more? Well, of course. <sighs> of course. Y'all but, haven't spoken. No, and that one just hurts. Like, I, I just am honest with people. I go, there's no punchline for that one. It just hurts. I And the reason, the reason I talk about it is I really do think everyone knows that feeling of, like, you thought this was the person you could count on, and then sometimes you're wrong. And there's also a way, this is what puzzles me about him. There's a way to say, I don't like that she did this one thing, but she's my friend. Right. How close were y'all? I thought very close. I loved him. I really loved Do him. Do you still love him? I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll always love him because I'm that type of person. I'm like nostalgic and I tend to look at my history with someone. Um, yeah. I don't see a future for us as friends, yeah. frankly, but, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah. I gotta let you go soon, but I a thing that I noticed in your story and yeah. in the experiences 
of comedians, period, right now, mm-hmm. it's a hard time to be a comic because you have to walk on eggshells. Like nothing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's but, really yeah, different out yeah. there. But the folks that get the worst and harshest pushback when they step over whatever line is imagined, it's always women comics. Yeah. I mean, we can go through the list, you know, Samantha B. Oh, yes. I mean, they tried to uh, Michelle ruin Wolf. Michelle Wolf and Samantha B. Ruin. Mean, but then there there are men like, I don't know, Bill Maher, who it doesn't matter what they say or do. Oh. They're there. There are men that have, are you kidding? First of all, been arrested five times, um, uh, tanked shows, um, uh, OD, OD'd on sets yeah. where their shows are $2 yeah. million dollars an episode and they're, they're ODing on coke. Like, yeah. don't even start yeah. me. So then- Given that landscape, <laughs> seeing how much harder it is still, especially now for the women doing the stuff that you're doing, right. what do you want to say to the young women who might hear this, who know that they're funny and might say, I want to do what Kathy does one day. I want to be a comic. I want to be a funny person. What is your advice to them? I love you? when people ask me that because I always, number one, I'm very honest. And yeah. I go, look, I don't know if everyone's going to tell you this, but I'm just going to tell you my experience. Uh-huh. It is almost as bad as the day I started regarding sexism and misogyny. So just accept it. You're going to have to work harder than the guys and jump 10 times higher. Like they say twice as hard for half as much. Absolutely. That yeah. that is that is my experience and maybe it isn't someone else's but I'm telling you I've lived it. Mm-hmm. Also, I always say um you're going to have to figure out a way to do it all within the system. So mm. as much as it seems like I do crazy things and stuff, I'm still, believe it or not, doing it within Certain the parameters. framework of whether it's a film festival or, you know, uh, a wacky picture I put online that isn't offensive, you know, trying to keep keep motivating in whatever way possible. Mm-hmm. And I always tell, um, like I said, certainly young people of color, gay folks or women, and maybe, by the way, this is any industry in this yeah. environment, oh, in yeah. my humble opinion, uh-huh. you know, it, be aware. And be aware of what's going on. It's important that you have a broad base of interests. Hmm. So if you're a comedian, I think that it is okay that it's expected of you to be up on stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. And by the way, it'll make you better. It'll make you more interesting, Mm -hmm. whether you're a comedy writer or a comedy performer Mm -hmm. or writing a script. Mm -hmm. And the ones I know that have been successful, the most important thing is Mm -hmm. if you love it, you you just don't stop no matter what. Hmm. And by the way, I don't mean if you're if you're bombing for five years, then I got bad news for you. Yeah, you're not cut out for go. this. Yeah. But if you um, like me, if you've had some success and you've mm-hmm. had more yeses than no in the long run, mm-hmm. you're onto something. And if you really love it, and you have to have what I consider to call uh, to be a burning desire, because mm-hmm. if you are a mar- in a marginalized. Uh, community. And mm-hmm. once again, I'm saying 58-year-old woman, even though I have white privilege, 58, trust me, they, I might as well be 158 in Hollywood. <laughs> well, but, you know, I think the most important thing that I, the only example I'm trying to set is, I'm not high and mighty, obviously. It's just important that people see I didn't go down. This is also a business where, like I said, you can make a ton of money one year and make nothing the other. So save some. Honey. <laughs> Listen. I just did an interview with The Economist. I was so excited because I am all about save, save, save. Yeah. And my joke is save for a rainy day like I did because I had a monsoon. And thank <laughs> God I saved it. So, yeah, yeah, if you get a little success. Save it. Save yeah. it. There's no rush. Monsoon. It's like those those shows like on TLC, like The Curse of the Lotto. Because uh-huh. they all go crazy and buy 10 Lamborghinis. Yeah. I'm like, Don't all right, Bieber, calm down. Don't do that. That's yeah. right. Last question. You said you, that you had a monsoon. Is the sun back out yet for you? The sun's coming back out. And... The part that I'm the part that I've made peace with is I'm gonna have to do this one myself. 
Like nobody's got a shovel for me and it's going to help me dig dig my way out of it. So I'm going to just have to keep, like I said, doing shows at the Laugh Factory so people can go, oh, she's not like some bitter anti-president person. She's out there just being ridiculous and funny and they were super excited and I can't wait to do it next Monday. And I'll wait till I do my next tour because this last one was so big and Mm -hmm. it was so sort of single topic mm-hmm. that some time has to pass. Mm-hmm. I have learned and I really do believe on I, my pessimistic days, I have lived one phone call can change your life. When mm-hmm. I got the phone call from Warner Brothers saying, you're starting as a regular on a network show on Monday, and then I did 23 episodes a year for four years, it changed my changed life in a phone call. So I always tell people that too, like yeah. if you're down, it really, I've lived it, it can happen. Kathy Griffin, thank you so much. My pleasure. Many thanks again to Kathy Griffin. You can catch her performing at the Laugh Factory on Mondays here in Los Angeles. She may even see me there. You can also catch Kathy's film once she finds someone to distribute it. All right, that's all for this week. Back in your feeds Friday. Talk soon. <laughs> 